3: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right
4: place. (laughs) Ready?
3: This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald.
5: a good Thursday morning, Eagles fans. The countdown is on. We're down to just over 60 hours before they kick it off between the Giants and the Eagles on Saturday afternoon. Which kind of makes John McMullen's life more difficult. He's all confused. He's got to go listen to Nick Sirianni mm-hmm. today. He thinks it's a Friday. He said, "Don't, don't, <laughs> don't let me make a pick on the game, Johnny." We got the show to do tomorrow. I said, "Not a problem, John. We'll get it done." Uh, busy yesterday for you, heading down to the Novacare complex. In your estimation, was it a good Wednesday?
6: Uh, trying to think of the day. Yeah, it was a good, you yeah. um, know. I I think it's a, a competent team. I think there's signs that, uh, you know, everything's back to normal, so to speak. Not from uh, necessarily, you know, Jalen and Lane are banged up, but everybody knows they're going to play. And, you know, the whole offense is going to be on the table. There's going to be no... Um, Um, hemming and hawing no trying to protect Jalen Hurts and so from that part it's all positive now you know if they dominate the game and they're they're up significantly in the second half you might see some scale back but uh, yeah they know they got to win the game and and and, uh, shrink wrap is off so to speak back to normal
5: that's what I think every Eagle fan wants to hear. And uh, yes, our producer Tone told me before the show, I'm starting to look like Jalen Hurts. Uh, I used to be able to throw. I can't throw like I used to. And I sure as hell never could throw like Jalen Hurts. But uh, with the eye black under the eyes, I'm I'm getting close to my Jalen Hurts look. And we're going to be looking at him in that first series and specifically the play calling and how they handle it. Because we all agree it was a somewhat scaled back Eagles uh, offensive game plan against the Giants just two weeks ago. One, it was good enough to give them the win, a ne- win that they needed, but it just didn't wow anybody impress anybody. And it does give you pause uh, that there is the possibility that they still think they can't go to everything in their bag of tricks. Well, Shane Sataikin, who you got a chance to hear from yesterday, basically put that to rest, right? He said that uh, everything is on the table for this game coming up this week. Correct
6: uh yeah i don't i i don't know if he did it on the record to tell you the truth shane is very guarded i'd have to read through the transcript but all indications from talking to the players and and coaches behind the scenes uh they expect everything to be back to to normal from from a play calling perspective and everything to be on the table and Um, you know, that's under. I I thought that's the way it would go. That seems to be the way it's going to go with it. Now, for those assuming that that means Jalen Hurts is 100%, that's the part I don't agree with. Um, you know, people are banged up in this league all the time and they play through it, and that's what's going on with Jalen and, and Lane Johnson for that matter. So, um, but the stakes, you know, rise obviously, winner go home. got to win the football game. You can't mess around. Um, Even though you're a pretty significant favorite, you got a better team, better personnel. Can't mess around in these environments, Jody. Understood. Uh, So you got both coordinators yesterday, Steichen and Gannon, you said,
5: um, didn't necessarily come out and say everything was on the table, but he certainly hinted at it. It might've given you more uh, off the record details. One thing that he did say is, they will need to adapt because in uh, Steichen's opinion, the giant defense has improved. Certainly last week we saw the giant defense adjust with let's switch, uh, blitzing out of Wink Martindale and handled it successfully against the Minnesota Vikings, made it work. So you don't know how blitz-heavy the Giants are going to be coming into this game. That's the challenge of every football game. The, the stakes are raised because it's a playoff game, but it's a chess match between... The O.C. on one side, the D.C. in the other, and vice versa uh, when uh, the teams change, exchange the ball. Uh, you like this matchup, Shane uh, Steichen, against uh, Wink Martindale for this game from an Eagle perspective?
6: Uh, yeah, because Shane's got the, the, the better weapons. Uh, Shane's got the better personnel, and he's proven. You know, One of the things I've, I really liked about Shane Steichen as a play caller, and his record's outrageous since he took over this team, Especially when Jalen Hurts is uh, starting, um, it was the Chargers game last year when he took over. So, a pretty significant winning percentage. He's he's a guy that doesn't get caught up in the bells and whistles necessarily. And if you don't, if you're not stopping something, he's going to pick at it. He's going to pick at it and pick at it and pick at it and pick at it and make you stop it. Um, and I think that's the way you should play offensive football I think a lot of uh, younger coaches and chains very young uh, get caught up in the those bells and whistles and they want to show off and you know they want to do all this stuff that make people go wow and you know I go back to Jimmy Johnson three running plays jody three running plays can't stop it can't stop it just keep doing it doing it doing it doing it um you know I always, talk about how mummy and, and when the XFL put mics on coaches, which they hate, you got an insight into it. And he just said, do it again, do it again, do it again. Um, and that's the way it should be. And and Shane's really good at that. And I think, you know, there's this big convoluted, Oh, you got to do this and you got to, you got to have trick plays. And you know who does trick plays people who, who, who think they need to trick Uh, the defense Uh, you know who doesn't people who know they're going to whip the defenses you know what there is a
5: confidence aspect to it and Shane Steichen should have confidence in his offense if Jalen is x percent then again we don't know what that percent is we don't know what he's going to be at will it match up the key is will they be able to call what they called for the first 14 weeks of the season which placed Jalen Hurts either at or near the top of the MVP race in the National Football League. If they can do that, they should put up more than enough points against this Giants team. And uh, Shane Steichen and and Jonathan Gannon both spoke about the improved New York Giants, which I will certainly give you that they're improved. It all depends on where you want to excerpt your uh, demarcation line. James was six and one, right? Didn't you and I do a bunch of shows here on Birds Three Six Five? Yeah. Where you said, "Yeah." And I can't believe the Giants are six and one. I'm not sure this is a real six and one. I don't really know it. I know the record says they're six and one, but they don't look like six and one to me. And then they lost to the Lions, they lost to the Cowboys, they tied the Commanders, the Eagles went up there and put a beat down on them. So they lose three out of four. They won none out of four because the one non loss was a tie. Well, since then they've improved, but who are we comparing the most recent giant games to? The team that started six and one, or the team that went o three and one in the middle of the season? If you compare them just to the o three and one, oh yeah, sure, the Giants were improved, no questions asked. But we're basing this improvement basically on two games. They beat up the Colts in Week Seventeen with Nick Foles laying on the ground huh. and uh, Ryan Thibodeau doing snow angels next to him. Okay. Nikki 6 wasn't quite ready to play. Uh, It wasn't like him coming off the bench for the Eagles in 2017. Didn't have a lot going for him. And then last week against Minnesota. So two games is what we're basing the much improved Giants on. Are they really that improved, John?
6: Uh, uh, Well, I I think they are improved from, you know, the pre-Brian Dable era, pretty significantly improved. Um, So, again, it depends on the scale. Um, I do think they're the least uh, talented personnel team that was in the playoffs. Um, and again, I give a ton of credit to this coaching staff, but I mean, we started with the defense, so I'll focus on the defense and, you know, w- Wink's a great coach. I mean, that is a great staff. Mike Cap is a great offensive coordinator. Uh, Brian Dayball, as I mentioned, Wink Martindale. And I love the fact that Wink is able to be malleable. I think that's a big thing. And you, you know, you but that defense didn't play well against Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota went up and down the field. Up and now, situationally, they were pretty good on, on on certain third downs. But as far as giving up yardage, they just did it a different way. You know, typically they give up the the explosive plays because they're blitzing. Now they played the the umbrella coverage, and you know, Minnesota went right down the field. You know, people talk about the Eagles and Jonathan Gannon. And everybody's focused on the last play which was more kevin o'connell's fault than kirk cousins but cousins was 31 of 39 in that game jody 31 of 39 he was doing whatever he wanted the problem was the minnesota defense so the offense that was out of character and you say that that's the best the giants offense has played in since the last time they played Minnesota, which, so you, you wonder how much of it is, are they, are they getting better? Or it was just, you know, a, a really bad defense, probably a little bit of both. They've certainly gotten better. I I think Daniel Jones has done a tremendous job of, of taking care of the football. I've said this pretty consistently because we've talked so much giants, because it seems like they're playing them every other week, the Eagles. He, he was a turnover machine uh, early in his career with different coaches. And now he's taking care of the football. And, and that is a big aspect of it. And obviously Saquon Barkley's healthy, um, you know, had a career high in rushing yards, big, big impact in the passing game. And that Hodge, Hodgins kid, they, they found him. And I think, you know, people dismiss it because they found him in an unconvin- unconventional fashion. Sometimes, nfl teams miss look he he might turn out to be travis fulgham and you know after this little mini run he has he'll go into you know uh, 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 uh oblivion i i you know maybe that happens but he's playing pretty well he really is and 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 but he doesn't have that pedigree i talk it all the time with tj edwards why isn't tj edwards a pro bowl player pedigree why don't people believe in Isaiah Hodgson, pedigree. they're playing them. They're playing. It's in front of you. So I think they are improved. Are they improved to where they they should be in the conversation with one of the best teams in football? I don't think so.
5: Neither do I. Uh, and I do want to just double-check one thing. You believe that Kevin O'Connell was more guilty of that four-yard catch on fourth
6: and eight oh, yeah. than, the, than the guy who threw the football? Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you why, Jody. Uh, Next Gen Stats has that little tool where you can do the 11-on-11 with the dots. That On that play call, and I tweeted it, and everybody can go look at it, he called – remember the situation, fourth and eight. He called uh, a double corner routes from Thielen and Jefferson 25 yards down the field. 25 yards down the field, your best two receivers. Remember, Dexter Lawrence is having a game where he's had 10 hurries. He's destroying the interior of the offensive line. And he's got his best receivers running 25 yards down the field. The only option for Cousins was an in route to K.J. Osborne, who's the third best receiver. And he had a little bit of a window to try to stick it in. But the guy was just all over him, the Giants defensive back. And then the other option was Hodgkinson, uh, who's running a three-yard route. So, look, I'm, I'm the first to say Kirk Cousins should have thrown it up, should have done a Hail Mary. I'm not saying it's not partially his fault, but that was an awful play call for that situation. And I've said this on, on other shows. Mike McDaniel as well with Miami. You know I talk about this all the time, Jody. Those two guys got bogged down in big situations because they're worried about the play call. They're, and they just made terrible, terrible decisions. And that's why I go CEO coach. And you see Brian Dayball, CEO coach. Nick Sirianni, CEO coach. The only one in the NFC who isn't a CEO coach is Kyle Shanahan. And we all know his reputation. Those guys, those young coaches that everybody loves, they just got bogged down in the biggest situations of their season. They, they may have. Concerned. And
5: I understand and agree with your CEO coach position. I'm sorry it's on the quarterback. No matter how bad the play design Should've was. Should it up. I agree with that. That it outweighs up. the stupidity of the play call. And there was some stupidity attached. I'm not giving O'Connell a free pass for, for, for sure. Not that they had a lousy play design. When, when you put that ball right there, you have to throw it past the sticks. Have to. There, there's no other excuse. There's nothing that I outweighs agree. it. Kirk Cousins made the decision to throw it short of the sticks. That outweighs anything else that Kevin O'Connell might have done. I'll tell you right now, if the Eagles are faced with the same exact position on Saturday against Giants, hopefully not Eagle fans, he's not throwing to Dallas Goddard at four yards short. He's going to force the ball to AJ Brown in coverage. He's going to hope that Devontae Smith can go up and make a play. He's not going to make that same mistake cuz he's just a smarter, more savvy quarterback than Kirk Cousins is. No, the number I one agree. person uh, I agree. The, Kirk the day
6: after the day after the game before I I saw the the next gen stats uh uh, uh you know um play. Uh I saw the all uh 22 I said it's it's unforgivable, and I still say that. It, that you know the situation. You're right. I don't care if it's the worst play call in the world, and it might have been the worst play call in the world. Uh, he should have thrown it up. He did the same thing in Buffalo. He won a game, right? right? Uh, Jefferson just went up and made the unbelievable catch. It, it, it's unforgivable. I'm not making excuses for the quarterback. I'm just pointing out. You know, when you hear coaches say they didn't put him in a position to succeed of any player, sometimes that's true. Kevin O'Connell hamstrung his team in the biggest situation. Uh, Mike McDaniel did the same thing with Miami. They had a chance for, you know, Minnesota was supposed to play that, supposed to win that game. Miami had a chance to have one of the biggest upsets ever with Skylar Thompson playing quarterback against the mighty Buffalo Bills. And this guy consistently couldn't get the play call in consistently to the point they had to burn all their timeouts. And then at the end they couldn't burn a timeout because they didn't have one and they got to delay a game. Just one of the worst coaching jobs I've ever seen. Nathaniel Hackett worthy, uh, but he won some games. Obviously he's not going to get fired. And Kevin O'Connell to a lesser degree, one of the worst play calls you're ever going to see in a big situation with a season on the line
5: well all of that may be true it does not outweigh that you can't throw the ball 4 yards when you need 8 on fourth down you have no timeouts left i'm, I'm sorry that just outweighs whatever yeah, god awful coaching you say you and i you and i, you and I that you he and
6: you and I agree on that,
5: but I'm not. Well, I don't have, agree because you said you believe O'Connell was more at fault than Cousins. I, I didn't Cousins say was he was at fault.
6: more at fault. Well, oh, you absolutely is,
5: did That's why no, I asked you.
6: I, I, I said, said, did I, said I hear this was, right? Let me confirm this. And you said it again. Because, Jody, you stop Bang. In your mind, he made an egregious mistake and you stopped. I'm saying there's other parts to it. And there's other parts to it. I said it was unforgivable from the quarterback. But that doesn't mean there's not other parts to it. Oh, absolutely. And if if you don't know, if you're the head coach and you don't know your quarterback, and by the way, that's the biggest criticism I can give to Kirk Cousins. The fact he's been playing that long and doesn't understand the situation, that's the bigger criticism. But if you're the coach and you've been the guy for, for 18 games and you don't know that and you put him in that situation, oh, there's more to it. That's where you and I disagree. There's there's far more to it because there are certain quarterbacks that are savvy enough to do things on their own. By game 18 with a quarterback, if he's in a situation, you don't know that as a coach, yeah, you better put your, your quarterback in a better stinking situation. That's where we differ. No,
5: I agree with you that it was a god-awful play call. Shame on O'Connell and the entire uh, compilation of individuals who contributed to it at that time on that play. Shame on all of them. I'm not giving O'Connell a free pass, but the question I asked twice, now let's go a third time. If you had to put them in an order, who was most to blame for the failure of that play, the play caller, the head coach, Kevin O'Connell, or the quarterback who threw the ball four yards when he needed
6: eight, who was more to blame? Uh, the left guard. How's that? the left guard who let Derek, Dexter Lawrence run him over like it was a road apple and destroyed any option. You know, maybe maybe if so the you left guard—
5: what, you, what you're saying,
6: John, is you don't want to answer the question. It was a pretty simple question. No, Jody, here's the difference. You're saying you want me to give you your answer to the question. No, if you want, That's I'm the just—
5: <laughs> I'm God giving you. Just said you didn't say that, so I'm giving you one more chance to I'm clarify. You, Maybe I'm, it's me. Maybe I'm just not hearing well. Maybe this that's whole thing true. to my head. You is, are not
6: hearing me... well. We can replay the show. Anybody can go to YouTube. You ask me who's most at fault for that particular Correct. play. And First your answer all, is there's 67. Uh, 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 things that went wrong on the play. If you ask me, and you only ask me at the very end, who was most responsible, I just gave you the answer. The left guard, who was a road apple. What I'm trying to say is, and if you can open the ears, if he blocks Dexter Lawrence, maybe Jefferson's open 25 yards down the field. Maybe Adam Thielen's open 25 yards down the field. Maybe they make a big play. When you blow up, when you can't block a play. So if you're asking me who was at fault, Kevin O'Connor was at fault. Kirk Cousins was at fault. But who was it most at fault? The left guard who got run over okay. and destroyed right. the play from second one. Then that's, that's who's then most at fault.
5: Okay. Then you and I would disagree. I would not put the left guard. Or Kevin O'Connell or anyone else ahead of Kirk Cousins in uh makes <laughs> in, in assigning top blame for that play. For me, my opinion, my football opinion is it's more on cousins than anyone else. If you if you think differently, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure I understood where you're coming from. If you say it was mostly on the left guard, all right, that's your call. My call it was Kirk Cousins. He's got it. He has to throw the ball eight yards. Period. End of end of conversation. Before they ever snap the play, before it's ever designed, before it's ever running through his head, he's got to know he's got to throw the it. Great, and, and we got to get to John
6: Stolis. The greatest quarterback in the history of the world, who we ever want to talk about, Tom Brady, Joe Montana. If 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 a game wrecker like Micah Parsons or Dexter Lawrence completely blows up a play, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do. They can throw it up. That that would have up. been preferable to the pass he threw. Uh, yes, Throwing it up agree. would have been preferable. It would have been preferable. We agree, but it doesn't. It doesn't mitigate the fact that the offensive lineman allowed a player to blow up the play from minute one. So you ask me who's most at fault? Right, the left guard.
5: Yeah, and I say the quarterback. i right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Mac and Mac. John Stolis from Bleeding Green Nation joins us next here on uh, Birds 365.
7: My name is uh, Fran and I'm a managing director here at Del Valle Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since
8: 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, We prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
4: So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
8: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about
4: you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean.
2: We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today.
5: All right, see, i on Bird Three Six Five joining us now from Bleeding Green Nation, and his Eagles podcast, "Eye on the Enemy," is Mr. John Stolness. Do we really need an eye on the enemy? Don't we know the enemy well enough this week, John? We're kind of kind of familiar with Big Blue coming to town, are we not?
4: Yeah,
9: this will be the the third time uh, in what, like six weeks, I've I've talked to the same uh, SB Nation uh, analyst about the Giants. So there's, I don't know if there's a whole lot more ground to cover here, but uh, you know, it's nice to just chat anyway. So.
6: Well, there's paralysis by over analysis, John. Mm-hmm. Do you think that could be a potential problem for both teams? Because, yeah, I mean, they've, they've seen, you know, both week 18 is different a little bit yeah. because it really wasn't the Eagles versus the Giants. So maybe that mitigates some of that, but is it a possibility?
9: I think it mitigates it. I I think both teams went into week 18 with very different mindsets uh, as opposed to the first game and and as opposed to the game they're going to play on Saturday night. And, you know, the Giants are healthier coming into this game. They have more players available to them than they did last time, especially on defense. So I don't think that'll factor into it this time around. Um, You know, I do think that if they had played all starters and that week 18 game met everything for both teams, you could get a little bit of a paralysis by analysis. But, you know, these guys, you know, the Eagles also had an extra week to prepare. So I I would imagine these guys know how to make it work. But yeah, as fans, sure, we know this team really well. I mean, we could dive into Dexter Lawrence and Saquon and, and Daniel Jones and all that at the end of the day. It's going to be when you're facing a team a third time like this, what can each coach do, I think, to surprise the other team? You know, what, what kind of tricks are left up their sleeves? And I think because the second game didn't matter a whole lot, the Eagles were vanilla. I think the Giants knew that there's a possibility they could play the Eagles in the playoffs. So they didn't want to give away too much. I think this will act more as like the second game of the season rather than the third.
5: All right, John, uh, I do want to talk about one of those specific games, and that's the last game of the year. Which Jalen Hurts was returning from missing two weeks. They hoped that Gardner Minshew could get him a win in one of those two games and Jalen could take the rest of the regular season off. Didn't happen. So Jalen mm-hmm. had to play in week number 18. 20 of 35, 229, no touchdowns, did throw a pick. How would you say Jalen threw the ball? Just the way he threw it, knowing that he's in quasi-protect mode, Mm -hmm. uh, the Giant defense was what it was, missing a lot of their key players. How do you think he threw the ball in the game against the Giants last game of the regular
2: season?
9: I mean, just based on the eye test, I thought he threw the ball fine. Especially between the 20s, the offense moved really well. Uh, He got it to his receivers. He seemed like he was able to make all the throws. I didn't see anything that would make me believe that he was limited. But the Eagles also ran a vanilla offense. They didn't ask him to do too much. So... I think there's still that doubt as to how healthy the shoulder is. And I think the Eagles have been slow playing the injury a little bit. They've been really forthcoming with details about Hertz's <laughs> shoulder over these last couple of weeks. And they yeah. don't usually do that. And so my my belief, it's my conspiracy my little conspiracy theory is that the shoulder's better than they've been letting on, and that they're going to unleash him on on mm-hmm. Saturday night. That's maybe a hopeful analysis, but I, I think that he's better. I think he's better than he showed. Um, the last couple of weeks
6: yeah i think the bye week is very important i'm not quite to your level of the conspiracy theory because i think <laughs> my but i hear what you're saying the eagles are typically very very guarded mm-hmm. uh he's he's not a hundred percent but you know i think the extra week helps him uh calm down sort of the soreness my concern is if you beat the giants and i, t- I talked to jody about this then you have You don't have that extra week. You have it for the Super Bowl, but you don't have it for the championship game. And then you got to go back out there and play. But you got to get over the Giants first. Now, John, you mentioned it's like the second game. Now, is there some angst with that? Because the Eagles beat Washington, and then they lost to Washington. Mm -hmm. They beat Dallas. Then they lost to Dallas. Now, granted, Gardner Minshew at the controls. So this is the real second game, Any angst
9: over that? I think more from the defensive side of things than the offensive side of things. I I think on the offensive side of the ball, you know what the giants are going to do. They're going to send blitzes. It hurts. They're going to, they can't handle all of the Eagles weapons without blitzing and week Martindale blitzes you know, as often as he breathes. So, I mean, he's going to send guys, he's going to send extra guys at hurts all day and see if Hertz's shoulder and see how mobile he is with his shoulder and see if that, see if Hertz can make plays like he did in, in the first game where remember that one blitz where he just took off right up the middle and scored the easiest touchdown you're ever going to see whether or not he's going to be able to do that here in the second game. So I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of exotic looks or things that the giants do differently on defense. There'll be some, Defensively, I wonder about a healthier Saquon Barkley, whether or not the Eagles' defense will be up to the challenge of, of taking care of him. And the Giants look like they're doing more offensively now than they did the first time around. They're they're letting Daniel Jones throw on first down. It's not run-run to set up a hopefully a, a third and five where you pass the ball. So the Eagles have to be ready for that. Jonathan Gannon has to be prepared for that. TJ Hawkinson oh – no, I'm sorry, that was uh, – sorry goes that that's Vikings but uh, they, they're they're using they're using Hodges more than they than they were in the first game they're, they're finding different ways to, to to get the ball down the field a little bit more and so I do have a concern defensively with this team and whether or not they're going to be ready for the new stuff that the Giants are doing the way they played against Minnesota last week and and their ability to, to kind of stop that up
5: yes, uh, a lot of people that believe the Giants have a chance to beat the Eagles this week are hanging their hopes on An improved secondary from six weeks ago. Both Mm -hmm. uh, Dory Jackson and Xavier McKinney missed the game against the Eagles, and they're two key members of the Eagles secondary. Um, They played well last week in limiting Justin Jefferson, but also gave up a lot of yards to the aforementioned D.J. Hawkinson underneath, specifically that all-important four-yard catch on fourth and eighth. Um, Which... Which guy adds more to their defensive secondary? Is there a guy that you can really look at out of those two and go, yeah? Without them, their secondary is just not the same.
9: It's the cornerback because I think you have to find a way to handle AJ Brown. But um, they have an interesting problem on their hands because he, even with those two guys back, you you have Brown, but you also have Devonte Smith who really stepped up his game in the second half of the season and, and played well for the Eagles and. With Dallas, I don't feel like since Dallas Goddard came back that the Eagles have utilized him enough. I think this is a game where they really need to and really could focus in on getting Dallas Goddard more targets and, and giving, giving him an opportunity to, to do a little bit more. Because with the amount of, that, that they blitz, I think there's opportunities there in the screen game for Dallas Goddard. I think there's opportunities in the middle of the field for Dallas Goddard. And if they're going to really focus on trying to bracket A.J. Brown the way they did, uh, Justin Jefferson and, and try the Vikings didn't have a really good number two option at receiver. So the Eagles do, and I don't know that they're going to be able to do the same thing to Brown that they did to Jefferson, because if they do, well, then you just, you feed Devonte Smith, you feed Dallas Goddard uh, and, you know, Quez, I think we're all a little down on Quez Watkins, but Quez Watkins serves some purposes in this offense, and you take a couple of deep shots with him. So I think there's, the Eagles have more that the Giants need to worry about. So even though they're healthier than last time, they still don't have enough answers unless the Blitz gets home, unless the Eagles have trouble protecting Jalen Hurts. If they, if they can <coughs> figure that part of it out, there are going to be lots of opportunities for Hurts to get the ball to his guys.
6: Yeah, that, that, defensively, I think, you know, the Giants, I, I think their curveball was last week uh, because they played umbrella coverage. They typically blitz, I think, 55% of the time, by far the most in the NFL. Um, I don't think they're going to come in and play umbrella coverage against the Eagles. I, I think they're going to go back to what they are defensively, which is more of what we think of with, with Wink Martindale. Now you do have a Dory Jackson, Xavier McKinney back, so they're better uh, from a personnel perspective than they were when they lost forty-eight to twenty-two. And mm. and we had Pat Leonard on the show from the from the New York Daily News, and he even said the Giants were shook in the locker room. They were like, <laughs> "Ooh, we just got our butts kicked." Um, it, 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 is this just as simple as? Uh, uh, the Eagles are just better. There's, there's not much you can do as good as this coaching staff is. And I think it's one of the best in the NFL. And I'm talking about the giants, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Dayball, Mike Kapka, we all know is already getting serious head coaching looks, um, Wink Martindale, his reputation. That's as good as it gets in this league. Um, they just don't have the weapons. Is that fair to yeah. say?
9: I think that's fair to say. I, I think it's fair to say that the the Giants looked really good against maybe the worst defense in the NFL last week. Uh, I think not a lot of people are talking about how truly bad the Vikings defense was all season. Uh, I think you're also underestimating, I think people are forgetting how good the Eagles coaching staff is. I mean, yes, the Giants coaching staff is getting a lot of attention because they're coming off a wild card win. They surprised a lot of teams, a lot of uh, analysts this year. Certainly they surprised me by playing as well as they did. The Eagles have surpassed expectations this year by, by a lot. Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen's up for a number of head coaching jobs. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, for however, whatever anybody thinks about him, he's up for a number of head coaching jobs. And, and some of the other guys down the line are, are going to move up if, if those guys move along. So I think we, I don't think we want to underestimate the Eagles coaching staff either. I mean, The Giants coaching staff is getting all the headlines. And that's usually what happens after Wild Card Weekend, right? All the teams that yeah, win on Wild played. Card Weekend, yeah. they played, they get a lot yeah. of press, and and they look real. Most of the time, they look good because you win a playoff game, you look good. Everybody's talking about how great Daniel Jones looked, and and he did look good. And the Eagles are going to have to account for him. He's not the same guy as we've seen in previous seasons. That said, the gap between Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts, I think, is still pretty darn big. And the Eagles have talent advantages at virtually every there's not a matchup that the Giants present in this game that the that is I think superior to the matchup the Eagles present all
5: right John see there's a question for both you guys so it's John or John um again maybe my memory is failing me but uh, Lane Johnson has been a Hall of Fame level right tackle basically since he came into the league, and he's had his fair share of injuries—injuries injuries that have like taken him out for the rest of the year. But we've also seen previously where he's gone down and come back. I'm trying to remember an incident where he came back and he wasn't 100 percent, and mm-hmm. another team actually took advantage of him being uber committed to get back out on the field as quickly as possible. Am I forgetting something? Am I missing something? Because I have uh, like this close to hundred percent confidence that Lane Johnson's going to be Lane Johnson this week, even though he's playing with an injury that actually needs surgery. Am I forgetting a time where Lane tried to come back too early and wasn't his lane like self?
6: I would say when he had, uh, the tight rope surgery in his ankle, um, and he was trying to get through the season and and he had to shut it down and have reconstructive surgery. Um, he wasn't himself, but he still wasn't exposed. <laughs> he still wasn't exposed. In other words, you know, he was playing through such significant pain and he didn't have his power and he's playing on one leg. He's still not giving up sacks and hurries. He's really an amazing player. Um, and that's why, you know, John brings up the point of, of the Giants playing last week and everybody's saying, you know, Dexter Lawrence was unbelievable, but Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, two years from now, I said this on the show, John, earlier in the week, we might be saying, man, Kayvon Thibodeau, but right now against Lane Johnson, that's a mismatch. Even 85% Lane Johnson, mm-hmm. I said, that is a mismatch. I, I'm with you, Jody. I have no comp, I have no even thought that Lane Johnson won't hold up uh, on the offensive line, even though I'm acknowledging no way he's
9: 100%. I think I saw something, too, on, on Twitter yesterday where some of the reporters were talking about Lane in practice, and there was, I think, one thing I saw where he like lifted a guy up off the ground uh, <laughs> during, during pass protection. I, said, well, he's I saw that. I, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I feel a lot better now <laughs> knowing yeah. that he's able to do that with the injury that he has.
6: Yeah, he, he, he was testing himself, and he said last week, he said uh, this practice, yesterday's practice, would be a big test for him because he wants to play without any help um, mm-hmm. as far as painkillers, and we'll see if he can do that. Um, yeah, but I don't I, – Lane is like – I don't have many concerns in this game, but he's way down on the list, as he typically is, even when he's 100% healthy.
5: All right, speaking of tests – is this a test for Miles Sanders? Yesterday, he said his preference is certainly to stay here in Philadelphia. wants to sign an extension with the Eagles. He's had a damn good season up mm-hmm. until the last couple of weeks when he tweaked the knee and he hasn't been uh, as quick. The burst hasn't been as good. But we're only a couple of weeks removed from him going nuts against the Giants at the Meadowlands. Mm-hmm. Is this a miles sanders game are they going to lean on him early and try and figure out what he's got in the tank and if not be ready to go to Game well and scott or is this going to be a share the wealth game from the first snap do you think johnny S?
9: well it's a giants game so it's most likely going to be a boston scott game in some way um, at least i think at least inside the 10 we know that's <laughs> the case. yeah but I think I think Miles Sanders with that week of rest and he hasn't gotten a whole lot of action here in the last few weeks of the season either uh, after a few 100-yard uh, games or a set career highs he kind of quieted down after that and that's I don't know as much him as it is play calling and, and the way the the situation's kind of worked out but I do think this is a huge opportunity for him it does sound like he wants to come back uh the, the I think the obstacle for him coming back next year is all of the different players on defense that the eagles would perhaps like to bring back and you've got to probably pay the quarterback this offseason as well there are other options among running backs and free agency it's a loaded free agent class so that could potentially be an avenue to him coming back there there are some guys i think higher up on the on the in the hierarchy than than miles sanders so he fits this offense he fits what they want to do i think we've seen a tougher running style from him this year i think he's talked about that getting a little bit more aggressive running through tackles a little bit more than he has and i think he was a little bit better in the in the passing game this year. He wasn't uh, he wasn't a negative every single time he touched the ball. So he's had some issues with fumbles lately. That's not usually a problem for him. Hopefully, that's going to get cleaned up, and we won't see that again here in the postseason. If he puts together a couple of big games in the playoffs, it's going to be difficult for the Eagles to 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 not bring him back. But again, there are other options out there this offseason. So I think it's a big question whether or not Miles Sanders comes back next year.
6: Uh, I want to give you guys a, a mojo question. Um, you know, I know what Nick Sirianni would say to this, but I want to hear what you guys say to this. The Giants have been playing this up all week. So in six games against number one seeds since restructuring in 1990, the Giants are a perfect 6-0. and that six game win streak versus number one seeds is the longest by any franchise since the NFL began seeding playoff teams in 1975.
9: Does that matter at all? Uh, no, <laughs> no. no, we I mean, those are different players on different teams. I mean, yes. it, you know, that's what Nick would
6: say. What does yeah, that have it, to do with me?
9: It doesn't have anything to do with anything. And a few years ago, the Eagles went into the Meadowlands as a six seed and, and beat the Giants a, as a one seed. Those, you know, how, what was that, 2008? So, I mean, um, long time ago. And the, I, I don't think, I mean, those kinds of things are interesting. They're kind of fun. They kind of show you that you can't take a, a, a number six seed for granted. I don't think, I don't think there's a worry of that. You know, I don't think the Eagles are coming in overconfident. I, I think the struggles they had in the last month of the season should have wiped away any sense of, overinflated superiority that they may have. I think they're going to approach this game. I think it's going to be closer than the seven and a half line indicates. I think it's going to be a tough game. And I think the Eagles and fans appropriately are looking at this game, not as a walkover, but as it, as it's going to be a tough divisional battle at home. And, and you know, it's, it doesn't have what happened years ago, doesn't have any impact on it, but it is going to be a tough game. The giants are a pretty good six seed coming in here.
5: And some people are uh, quoting the stat of the Eagles uh, having won nine games in a row at the uh, Lincoln Financial Field. So they beat the Ben McAdoo Giants. So they yeah. beat the Pat Shermer Giants. It doesn't really move the needle for me, but uh, the only one that matters it, they beat them two weeks ago, but they didn't beat them as handily as they did, as people thought they were going to before the game started. Um, the Giants did get two late touchdowns, though. And the mm-hmm. Eagles' first-team defense was still on the field. All right, one kind of nice catch by a wide receiver who's hopefully underachieved this year in Kenny Call- Kenny Galladay. Um, Slay had had solid coverage on the play. Not, not great. The, the great mm-hmm. one tips the ball away. He didn't. Um, but uh, is that of a concern that even with their second and third teamers, they made it a game late. And they did so more against Eagle defense. Eagle defense was great for three quarters. They had a mm-hmm. field goal. They completely took the Giants out of their offensive game, but had breakdowns late. Why do you think that is? And it's that where you're going into this game, John?
9: Yeah, I think they just let up. I think they let up seeing that they were against the second and third teamers. I don't think that they, you know, once they got that, once they got that two score lead late, I just feel like the, the, the defense just didn't keep their foot on the gas. Um, it shouldn't happen. I'm sure that's something they've, they've talked about. Um, but I don't think they expected a deep shot to Kenny Galladay to <laughs> result in, I mean, the first touchdown uh-huh. Galladay's had in two seasons with the Giants. I just feel like it is not an excuse for it. And Jonathan Gannon, I'm sure has talked to them about it, but they just let their foot off the gas. I think they felt like the, at that point they had secured the game that they just needed to kind of manage the rest of the game from that point on. And they played that way and you can't, you just can't play that way even against second and, th- and third stringers in, in the NFL. Most of the time.
6: All right. Tremendous disrespect from Nick Ceriani this week by ordering uh stuffed crust pizza <laughs> uh, as he's prepping for the New York giants. On the other hand, um, New York Knicks guard Jalen uh, Brunson, tremendous disrespect by uh, wearing a Jalen Hurts jersey, mm. uh, instead of supporting the New York Giants. Who wins the nonsense battle, John? Which fan base? <laughs>
9: I think anytime you're thinking pizza has anything to do with uh, anything that's happening on a field, you you win the knucklehead war there. Uh, and, and not only not only that, I saw some takes online talking about Domino's pizza being number one uh, out of all the chains. That's just that's ludicrous on its face. I mean, so that's it's, I'm, I'm glad they went with Pizza Hut as, as I mean, if you're first of all, you can't go chain. I mean, what are you doing going chain in Phila- if you're in the
6: Philadelphia? Yeah, now, I've chain. heard that, John, but I, I think the snobs are just as bad. So, you know, you hear it with the IPA, you got the beer snobs. Now we yeah. have the, the local, you hear it all the time with the cheesesteak snobs, the pizza snob. If you want stuffed crust pizza, go get stuffed crust pizza. Let people live. That's my, that's my theory.
9: That's fine. It's just it's uh, it's I prefer. I mean, if if I have an opportunity to have, you know, a, a pizza made by a real pizzeria um, stuff, crust or no, uh, that's uh, that's a no brainer for me. I can't I can't even think twice about it. <laughs>
5: All right. I need both you guys opinions on this one from the disrespect file. Did you see what Joe Mixon said yesterday? The Bengals running back. No, that the NFL is seriously disrespecting the Bengals by putting tickets on sale for the bills and the chiefs in Atlanta for the AFC championship game, because (laughs) it needs to be played at a neutral site. So they feel they need to get out in front. Well, yeah, Joe's got a point. The the bills aren't there yet. The bills have to beat the Bengals first, first things first. say, how dare they do that? They're not giving, are you telling me we got no chance to win this game in Buffalo this week? Does Mixon have right footing to say we're being disrespected by, oh, Roger Goodell and his entire NFL front office?
9: Even if Roger Goodell is disrespected, why does that matter? <laughs> why does that matter? I mean, if it was like, if you've got your opponent who is saying this team has no chance against us, I guarantee a win. Put that on the bulletin board. Absolutely. It, it, it first of all, and no, I don't agree with Joe Mixon. It's business, right? It's business, and, and,
6: and more than that, it's logistics. You gotta, yeah. you know, you gotta sell 70,000 tickets in a short time frame, and you gotta get it done. Well, um, and any fan that wants to, to travel, they gotta yeah. book
9: flights, they yeah. gotta figure out if they're dry. I mean, yeah, so but yeah. obviously. Players do what they do to get themselves fired up for for different reasons. That's all this is.
6: Yeah, exactly. And that's by the way, it should be. If if that nonsense gets you fired up and it sure. works for you, use it. Uh, it. but but I think, you know, logical logical people <laughs> see it in a different direction. You know, one of the more interesting matchups for a lot of uh and I'll leave it here at John Stolness, make sure rejohn at uh, bleeding green nation.com also hot stove action, the good fight, uh, pH, um, uh, uh, Kaiser white and, and Saquon Barkley are, are both from, uh, uh, Lehigh County. They've been playing each other since high school, mighty Emmaus versus, uh, Whitehall. Uh, Kaiser got the best of, of Saquon back in the day. Cause his teams were much better. um, yeah, to me, he's a big part of it because uh, the offense of the Giants, we, we talk about Saquon as a runner, he's a great receiver. And they mm-hmm. try to get him out in space with those dumps in the flats. And if you don't tackle and if you let him get out in space, you could have some issues. And, and to me, Kaiser White hasn't been playing his best down the stretch of the season, although he did play well against the Giants JB is that sort of one of those underrated matchups we got to pay more attention to because you also have to spy Daniel Jones as well and that would might be the speedy Kaiser White's sort of duty.
9: Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a weak point on the Eagles defense, it's, it's Kaiser and, and his, uh, his ability to work effectively in, in the passing game. And and certainly Saquon looks rejuvenated. He did not look right. The first time these teams played, they, they, they ran him into the ground and I think he hit a lull at midseason where he just wasn't very effective. He looked pretty again against a terrible Vikings defense. He looked rejuvenated last week. We'll see if he has that same kind of juice this week. I think, running the football and coming out of the backfield Saquon they got that's got to be their number one target that's the guy that they've got to focus in on and hopefully Gannon has some ways to to scheme things up to make sure that it's not all up to Kaiser White because that is a, that is a worrisome matchup on in the passing game, whether or not he can, he can hang with Saquon. I don't know that any linebacker has a a real ability to hang with, with Saquon over there. So, you know, you might have to utilize your safety. You might have to, you know, kind of get some different guys into the mix here in order to keep an eye on him, but that, that would be a matchup that the giants could look to exploit in this game because Kaiser has struggled. I mean, he did play, like you said, did play better the last couple of weeks. He's effective in the run game, but coming out of the backfield, he has, he has a hard time with running backs and tight ends. Two
5: quick questions for you before we let you run, Johnny. Mm -hmm. Number one, if I tell you the game on Saturday will be won by the more physical team, who wins?
9: I think that's, I want to say that's Philadelphia. Um, That offensive line and the defense, I think you win in the trenches if it's a more physical game, right? And I think the Eagles have the best offensive line in football. And their defense almost broke the NFL sack record this year. So I look at those two lines, I look at those matchups on on the interior, I look at those in the trenches and the Eagles should be able to outphysical those teams, especially if Lane Johnson's 100%. You got Milata and Johnson on, on either side. Uh, Landon Dickerson is a beast in the middle. I know Kelsey's kind of a he, he's a a lighter center. He's a guy that you're, you know, he's more on the more athletic side and I know the Giants with Dexter Lawrence are talking up that that could be a mismatch for them but you've just got a lot of you've got a lot of things working on that interior i think that's a more physical interior and then uh you look at uh you look at the the, the, the eagles defensive line how they just keep josh sweat coming back is big um they're gonna have all the rotation guys robert quinn look better in his last game of the season so i think if the more physical team is gonna win i do think that favors philadelphia because of the because of the advantages they should have on both lines
5: all right and i don't want to disrespect anybody so uh, I'm not going to say who's coming to Philadelphia next week. I'll say uh, either who's coming to Philadelphia or where are the giants going next week, San Francisco or Dallas, who wins the Sunday night affair in the NFC.
9: I, that's a good question. Dak played really, really well last week, but again, Tampa was an under 500 team. So you have to take that with a grain of salt in some capacity, but the Cowboys did look real good. They've got a lot of weapons. I, and as well as Brock Purdy has played, there's just, you know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe the the, the Cinderella slipper is going to fall off if Brock Purdy has to hit the road. It might not happen at home. I think you have to take the 49ers to win that game. They've been more consistent, especially in the second half of the season over the Cowboys. Dak. Against that defense, he's been interception prone all season. He throws a pick or two against San Francisco. I don't know that there's an. I don't know that the Cowboys are able to overcome that. I would say San Francisco probably wins that game.
5: Johnny, yes, always a pleasure. I know you're going to enjoy the game on Saturday night. Hopefully, yes, we sir. get a chance to. We're going to get you on again at some point. Doesn't matter whether Eagle season's over done, whether it goes <laughs> till mid February. You know we're going to be coming calling, but we hope to get you on again to preview another Eagle game uh, before the month is out. Sounds good, guys. Thanks, From Bleeding Green Nation, his uh, podcast is Eye on the Enemy, and the enemy this week is the New York Giants. All right, Johnny, so you're heading down to uh, get a little insight from Coach Sirianni. He'll uh, give you guys a little extra off the record. Anything you're going to be able to get on the record today that you think he's going to tell you that, all right, here, you guys can go with this. Uh, and he'll give you some insight. Now, you never
6: know with Nick, but it's usually something stupid like beats that people run with. Or, you know, obviously the flower the analogy would be the greatest example of that. So typically, yeah, if it's something on the record, it's going to be something like that. It's not going to be, hey, the Giants don't do this well, and we're going to beat the you-know-what out of them. Um yeah, so that's n- n- sort of Nick's M.O., um, very close to the best. Uh, but uh, he'll give us some stuff off the record, so that, that, that's the best part uh, of, of being down at the Care Complex and seeing things. And, you know, I was impressed, Jody, how focused everybody was yesterday. I talked to Kaiser. I uh, talked to uh, Slay you know, and, and they both said the same thing, which, so, you know, it's coming from the head coach, you know, everybody talks about the number one seed and I just brought up the giants and what they're uh, sort of pressing is as, as being the lesser seed uh, being able to have success over the years. Um, you know, both guys said, Hey, we're, we're O and O they're one and So, you know, what, what we did in the regular season doesn't matter. Um, And I think everybody understands that. And everybody understands this is a great opportunity uh, for the Eagles. And um, I've said it pretty consistently. You couldn't envision a better path to the Super Bowl. You just got to finish it.
5: All right. uh, Since we're now a year and change, I guess it is, since the, 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 the growing flower analogy that Nick used, is the plant completely bloomed yet? Is it still blooming? Is this playoff run going to dictate whether it goes full bloom or it stunts out at some point? If you ask Nick <laughs> today, pick up the flower analogy where you're at, Coach, what would he say?
6: Well, he would say it's never done. Uh, but I would say, and I've said this pretty consistently, and they, they, the Eagles can't think this way, but I've said it to the fan base a pretty often enjoy this because it's not going to happen a lot. Um, You're not going to be 13 and one a lot. You're not going to be 14 and one with the starting quarterback. Even if he plays at this, he might even get better, Jody. Uh, He might have not reached his ceiling as a player and they might be, you know, 10 and four, and he might be a better player. Uh, Everything coming together like this, it's rare. Uh, So you have to take advantage uh, of where you are in this situation. But, you know, it, it, the, the flower analogy is, is, you know, that happened after the, the Raiders loss, uh, which basically two weeks before he made the shift into making the play calling uh, turning over the play calling to, to Shane Steichen and obviously the Eagles finished. What was it? Uh, you know, they were they were two and five in Vegas. Then they beat Detroit. Um, then they lost to the Chargers. So they were three and six and ended up nine and eight. So they were doing the math real quickly. They were six and two last year in the regular season, uh, but the one game didn't even count. The last game, the Week eighteen game, we always talk about that. Six and two. Um, it, it, and and fourteen and one with the starting quarterback this year. Uh, that's that's why Shane Steichen is where he is. Uh, as far as you know, head coaching interviews uh, and and people looking at him. Got to take advantage of this, man. Got to take advantage of it.
5: That, that's what I was going to say. I agree with everything you just said. But if they lose this week to the Giants, everything oh, you just it's a put disaster. out there. They lose at home oh, to a team it, they've it already be... beaten twice, yeah. who was just above 500? who beat a bad defensive team the week before. And there is a lot at stake for the Philadelphia Eagles this week. All right, Jay Mack, tell uh, Coach Dyke at uh, Siriani that we send our regards. Johnny Mack is going to head over to South Philly, which means I'm going to be joined by the big double B, Barry Brooks, up next here on Birds 365.
7: and I'm a Managing Director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget.
8: Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise... We prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
4: So Good Now helps kids in under resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
8: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about
4: you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. We
2: all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today.
5: 365 here on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel, and that means you got me, Jody McDonald, sons of Mac. We're down to Mac, but we've added some girth.
1: We've
5: got the big man <laughs> for the Eagles offensive line, uh, Barrett Brooks. You hear him later in the day on Sports Takes, and uh, always good when he can jump in with me here on Birds 365.
10: How you been, Big B? Good, 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 man. I can't believe this week is flying by so fast. Finally, gonna get an opportunity to. To, to check my birds out on a Saturday night, man. Um, it, it would be Saturday night. They couldn't give us an earlier game. The latest game they could give us, they gave it an 8 o'clock game. But, hey, I can't complain. Let's go. It could have been Sunday night. you got to have had to wait <laughs> right. a little longer.
5: Uh, so uh, it's not that bad Saturday. Uh, give me the years again that you were an Eagle offensive lineman.
10: Uh, I played from 95 to 98 as an Eagles offensive lineman. Okay, so four years. During yep. those four years. Who was, in your mind, the Eagles' biggest rival? It had to be Dallas. Okay. You know, it, when I first stepped into the door, Dallas was the rival of rivals. You know, I can't see any. I mean, it was, the hatred was there. I mean, I, I had fans tell me you could, you can go two and fourteen, just as long as Dallas with those two wins. That's how passionate the fans were. They made it readily available to to to, to indoctrinate it in me since day one.
5: There are uh, years, and I've learned this from, again, and I moved to town in 1990, so you and I started it at at close to the same time here in town, but certainly the rivalries predate us by plenty. And guys have told me, diehard Eagle fans who have been Eagle fans for 50, 60 years, that there have been times when the Giant rivalry kind of exceeded the Cowboy rivalry. Overall, it's Cowboys. You're for a year on the field, which you get a much more of a hands-on grip of it than any of us who just watch from the sidelines. You say it was more Cowboys. How much disdain was there for the Giants when you were an Eagle?
10: It was always a dislike because I was always playing against the best players on each team. It just so happened to Michael Strahan. Uh, was a guy I was going against for the most part every single time we played against each other. So, you know, that was a rival for me. They say, uh, you know, run, you can attest to this. Strahan was that dude. You know what I'm saying? He was probably he's he was top 10 as far as guys I played against at the defensive end position. So I would say Strahan was up there. You know, they had, but gee, they had an all-star cast. Michael Barrow, Jesse Armstead, Jason Seahorn. I mean, they had some players, man. Keith Hamilton. Really, really good football team back
5: then. I uh, I apologize for this because every time you join me when Johnny Mac jumps out, I tap into your ex- field of expertise. You become a, a really good football analyst, being on NBC Sports Philly or here on uh, Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Thank you. But I still look at yes, the offensive lineman <laughs> of the Philadelphia Eagles. Sorry, and we I don't get a chance to talk to guys who played the game like this very often. So I'm going to ask you about Lane Johnson coming back from an injury at any point did during your career, did you come back when you knew you weren't going to be a hundred percent, you had to figure out what that percent was working with the team and say, here's where I'm at. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. You guys are going to have to make the call. I'm willing to go out and try, but I'm telling you, I'm not 100. I know what Barrett Brooks is at 100%. I'm not there, but I'm damn close. Did you ever have that experience during your career uh, that you can kind
10: of relate to what Lane Johnson is going through this week? Well, I actually had the injury that uh, Lane had. It wasn't during the time when I was an Eagle, but I had it for two years. You know, it wasn't like I just had it and then it went away. I had it for two years and it was towards the end of my career. And it was cool because I was able to, I was able to get through it a lot easier than than he could simply because I was just a backup. So, I, I mean, I just go through practice and, If I had to go in a game, you know, I could fight through a game. It wasn't like I had to play every single snap. So that's the difference between me and Lane at this point as far as playing. I played with the injury, very painful injury. I got shot up and then, you know, went through the game and and then, you know, went home and it felt like hell the next day. But, you know, he's got to play every single snap. So, you know, it's it's definitely different. Um, As far as, you know, an injury that I went into percents as far as, you know, percentage of me playing it had to be my last my last game um my last game as a philadelphia eagle uh we were bad too we were three and 13 and um i had actually broke my ankle and i thought it was a sprain they told me it was a high ankle sprain so like i said i shot up um got a shot tore it all shot and, and went out there and played and it wasn't until i had signed with the detroit lions went into camp with the detroit Lions, and kind of tweaked it again that I went in and got X-rays, and they said, "Yeah, man, you know, did, you know, how come they didn't write on your report that you broke your ankle?" I said, "I didn't know I broke my ankle." So, yeah, there's a piece of dead bone broken off in your ankle, Oof. and that's why you're experiencing the pain you had. So that kind of stuck with me for the rest of my career. But I mean, it, you know, it was one of those things that I, you know, shot it up and went out there and hobbled and played, playing again the, the entire game with it.
5: So you're expecting Lane to do the same thing? Get a shot. It's going to get him through the game. He won't be feeling the pain during the game, but then thereafter, man, it starts to come down on you pretty hard. But then you're going to get a
10: shot again the next week if the Eagles beat the Giants. This week. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you can go through it. You can, you know, pain endure for a night. You know what I'm saying? In the morning, it'll be worse, but you'll, you'll, he'll be able to sit back, relax uh, for the entire week. He won't practice the entire week. And then the next week, he'll go in and, shoot it up again and play again. And the next thing you know, he has two weeks until the Super Bowl
5: Then we talked about this uh, before you joined the show, John mentioned one injury because Lane has had his fair share of injuries. You play as long as Lane has, and as hard as Lane does, you're going to get hurt. Um, uh, John mentioned one injury where he thought Lane was actually less than he is at 100%. You could just barely know. Didn't give up a big sack, didn't give up any pressures, but uh, the, The guy got to breathe on the quarterback. I don't even know how you would measure the fact that he wasn't (laughs) as good as he usually is. I have zero doubts. Damn, 0.10001% doubt that Lane Johnson is going to be uh, the the usual right tackle that he is this week. Am I seeing this through eagle-colored glasses? You're a guy who went to war in those trenches. I never did. But just knowing Lane Johnson, I don't think there's any way that you can see a drop-off in his performance this week
10: a 65 to 70 percent Lane Johnson is better than 100% uh Jack Driscoll. I Sorry, mean that, that, that that's not mean that's not meant to offend. That's me No, no, not being meaner. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lane Johnson, <laughs> but the facts are the facts. You're right, you're right. You're talking about a guy you can run the offense through and you know what they're playing against Dexter Lawrence and how he played in that last game against the Minnesota Vikings. You're going to need Lane to be the Lane Johnson that he's been and you know, reason I say that because this offense runs that the two tackles are basically on an island every single play. They don't worry about, you know, sending protection their way, sending a chipper their way. The protection they 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 covered the most is the interior three guys. So they'll 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 make sure that you know there'll never be an opportunity for um Kelsey to be one on one against Dexter Lawrence. There's always gonna be somebody there that's gonna help him on that shade. So, you know, that's the way they run their offense. That's the way they protect. They protect their guards and their center as opposed to protecting their tackles. They let the tackles go off on their own. They're like they're on an island every single play. Talking about Revis Island, remember that with your Jets? Revis Island, same thing. It's Johnson Island and it's Malata Island. (laughs) So those guys are on their own.
5: I had a call this week on WIP saying, and when the Eagles give Lane Johnson help. I said the same thing you just said. Not happening. (laughs) They didn't even give Driscoll help. When he was filling in, they said, guess what? You're filling in for Lane Johnson. We're going to expect you next man up to do what Lane Johnson does. They didn't uh, put the extra tight end on his side.
10: They didn't keep him back in the chip (laughs) to help him. No, that's not the way Stoutland University runs. Exactly. That's exactly what I was about to say. Stoutland University is a crash course, and you're going to be alone, so get get the job done. (laughs) they <laughs> that's what, uh, they're,
5: how they're going to expect Lane Johnson to do it this week. And I think he's going to do it like, oh, Lane Johnson would. Yep. All right. And the other question uh, injury-wise coming in, of course, with Jalen Hurts in his shoulder, um, he gets hurt in Chicago, sits for two weeks. Unfortunately, the Eagles can't find a way to win one of those two games with Gardner Minshew running a show. So he has to come back for that week against the Giants. They do enough to win the game and secure the number one seed in the bye in the first round. How do you think Jalen, just his pure throwing, we all agree that the play calling was a little conservative. It was a little protective of Jalen Hurts as compared to what we saw the Eagles do for the first 14 games of the season. Um, but just the plays that ended up with him throwing the football, how do you think
10: he threw it with the shoulder issue he was dealing with? I thought he threw fine. Um, I thought he was sharp. His reads were there. Um you could, you know, you. he wasn't as polished. You know, that just comes with him not playing for two weeks. But he still you played You think that college. was
5: actually rust on him?
10: There was a little bit of rust on him, yeah. There's okay. some balls that were behind him. You know, you could tell the timing wasn't all the way there like I'm used to seeing him throw. But you could definitely see he knew where the ball was supposed to go and how to get it there. And that's the biggest thing. He probably needed that game because I really didn't want him going into the playoffs not throw, having thrown a ball in, in two and a half, three weeks. So this actually worked out uh, pretty well because now he's got that rust off. He's played with these guys, um, practicing with them. He's been cleared. He this is this will be a great opportunity just to show everybody why he was an MVP candidate because I think he's just gonna pick it up like it you know like he never you know like he wrote like riding a bike. He's just gonna pick it up and start riding. Right, well, they the game game. they're not um, gonna change the game plan though. They're not gonna change. He's going all you know balls to the wall. He's going all out. Um, I think they're going to run. I know they're going to run the RPOs, read options, and he's going to use his intangibles. He's going to use his legs. He'll be ready to go. And uh,
5: I surely hope that's the case. I don't know that's the case. I believe it's the case, but I'm not positive it's the case. So we're going to have to wait and see on Saturday. Uh, again, referring back to the game that was less than two weeks ago against the Giants, where the Giants used second and third teamers on both offense and defense. The Eagles did score six times five of which were field goals. That's not good. Uh, when yeah. <laughs> you've got the ball in the other team's end of the field, six times you want to walk away with more than 22 points, one touchdown, five field goals. Why do you think the offense
10: stalled out the way that it did in giant territory? Cause they didn't run the same game plan that they were running a game, um, a, a regular game. This was just, all right, let's just get through this. Let's get through this healthy. Number one, number two, we're not really worried about showing them anything that could help them out if we play them later on. And I think they were conservative like that because of that. I mean, they they kind of saw that they might be playing against this Giants team again. So why give them the whole uh playbook, you know, in a game that means nothing? So, I mean, that's a that's that's a real um that's a real evaluation of why they played the, the game they played. I mean, when you play, when you're in the red zone, that's where Jalen Hurst really you know, takes his cape out and ties his cape up and he becomes that super player. Cause he can make you wrong any way you look at it. When you're a defensive coordinator and you say, all right, we're gonna stop the run. And what does he do? He throws it to us two outside thousand yard receivers. Or right, we're gonna stop, um we're gonna stop the um we're gonna stop the pass now. Now you can hand it off to a light box to, you know, either he runs it or he allow Miles Sanders to run it. Oh, we're gonna stop, we're gonna stop the middle of the field. You know, you I mean we're gonna we're gonna, you know, stop the outside, open up the middle of the field, see if you can beat us there. Well, he's got you know Dallas Goddard in there, he can throw to the backs. He's one of those guys that's an X factor that he can make you wrong in every decision you make. He can use your strengths against you. He did it with Michael Parsons, he can do it with Kayvon Thibodeau or Dexter Lawrence. He'll be able to figure out how he can take advantage of the defense and where they're trying to beat him at. If you blitz him, all right, we're gonna we're gonna blitz him. You know, hurry that clock up. He can beat you with the blitz. He's got built-in slant plays, comeback plays, in which the receivers work well with him. They'll be open, he'll get the ball to him. He is just master at at really running this offense to how they customize it to him. I asked my
5: uh listening audience on WIP Tuesday night uh to give me a Game changer for the Eagles above and beyond quarterback. You always start with the quarterback. It's, it's, it's the QB, and then who else? Exactly. So my who else was Dallas Goddard. And I was leaning in that direction before the Giants ever played last week. And I don't know, by the way, they played and gave up TJ Hawkinson 129 yards. So they showed <laughs> that it, it, they'll respect your star wide receiver. In Minnesota, that's one Jefferson. In Philadelphia, we got more two. Sorry, Adam Thielen, you're a nice player. You're not Devontae Smith in my eyes. But uh, so it'll be even more difficult for the Giants. But do you think they try and run a similar defense? And if that's the case, can Goddard go off this Saturday?
10: This is uh, this is a game custom made for Goddard. Because he's so good, you know, you can't really focus on him because he's so he's such a good run blocker. So he's in on run plays, even when, you know on regular running down situations. So he's the best run blocker we have as far as tight ends. So he'll be in the game at all times. How do you pick and choose and differentiate when he's getting the ball and when he's not getting the ball? So yes, he will be a heavy target because they're going to try to go out there and I mean, they got a Dory Jackson who's a really, really good player. He's their shutdown corner, but who's the, I mean, who is he going to say, you're going to go with Smitty. You're going to try to stop Smitty. Or are you going to try to stop Brown? You know? So, you know, that's, that's hard to choose from. When you're um, when you're a defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale loves to send a blitz, but can he blitz Jalen Hurts? I mean, what if they get out of their rush lanes? He can run down the field. He'll make a play with his legs. Uh, Hurts will make a play with his legs. So, it is really it really uh, goes down to can uh, Fabian Moreau, who had a tough game against him last time they played, can he play well enough to um, you know on Smitty to, to to shut him down? Can Darnay Holmes be a guy that can cover in the slot? When you have A.J. Brown there running a slant, there lies you know there lies your 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 um your complex decision making. When you're a weak Martindale, the defensive coordinator, who do you want to stop? Who's the most impactful player? Who can win this game for him? That's three guys that can do it for him. Dallas Goddard being the guy who can be to put the nail in the coffin because he's so athletic and you can't just put a safety on him because he can out-muscle them, and you can't put a linebacker on him because he's faster than a linebacker. So he's definitely an X factor in his offense. I think what Barrett Brooks is saying, pick your poison, Wink Martindale. You Absolutely. Gotta, you got to select
5: one of them. Uh, he is Barrett Brooks. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Birds 365 guys today. Uh, B, double B in for uh, Johnny Mac. How to get over to uh, Eagles press availability. We got a good guest coming up for you next because he's got an interesting perspective on this Saturday's game. Ralph Aguiano. Covered the New York Giants for years for New York newspapers. Became the NFC East insider this year, which means he's responsible for four teams. Hey, good job out of Ralph. He got three out of the four playoff teams in, right? They're all still standing. After eliminations last week, we still got three out of four in the NFC East. So we're going to get both an in-town and out-of-town perspective of this weekend's matchup. Ralph Eccliano of Fox Sports joins us next here on Birds 365.
7: Uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at Del Val Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since
8: 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, We prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
4: So Good Now helps kids in under resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
8: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about
4: you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean.
2: We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today.
5: streaming in here on Word 365. You got me, Jody McDonald, with my co-host, Barrett Brooks, filling in for John McMullen here with you for the final 40 of today's show. And we're lucky enough to get Ralph Vecchiano from Fox Sports to join us. He covers both the Giants and Eagles since he covers the entire NFC East. Ralph, good to catch up. I just want to advise you in advance. Uh, I said something that Barrett didn't like, and you can see what he did to my face. So when he asks you a question, <laughs> Answer him nice. with some respect if you don't yeah. want to look like a raccoon like me.
1: I'll play um, nice. <laughs> but I, I'll, get the first,
5: I'll get the first question in here. And uh, I, I fear that I'll be disrespecting the Giants, but I want the answer anyway. We okay. all acknowledge the Giants are improved over the last couple of weeks. They've gotten better. But it's two games we're talking about, right? The win that guaranteed them a division, uh, a playoff spot, a wild card spot. And last week in in Minnesota, in between you had the non-factor game against the Eagles where they played their backups and their star players sat on the bench and the like. Is two games enough, as good as they were, to say the Giants are much improved? I can say improved, but
1: I'm not sure I could say much improved. How improved are the Giants? Well, they're pretty improved. Um, you know, I, I, don't know how much, I mean, I don't think this is suddenly an elite level team. Um, you know, their two best games to me were against the Vikings, the, the one they almost won on Christmas Eve, then the playoff game. Um, you know, they, there certainly were elements in there. Daniel Jones looked terrific, but that Vikings defense is pretty terrible, especially, uh, the passing defense being ranked 31st in the league going into both games. So, um, you know, they're they're doing some things better. They're blocking better. They're blitzing more effectively. Uh, but, you know, other than against the Vikings and the commanders, I kind of need to see it against some better teams. They still look to me like the team that just kind of hangs around most of the time and then they're hoping things go right in the fourth quarter. Sometimes they do. You know, often they don't.
10: Well, you know, and evaluating the talent, you know, we can see that the Eagles are, are more advanced. You know, they've been their, their coach of staff the last two years. And looking at coaching staffs and comparing the two, I mean, I can't say much, but nothing but high praise for, you know, Dable, Martindale, um, you know, Kafka. These guys have definitely improved the roster that I didn't think could be improved, proved the way it is. You know, I mean, as far as coach of the year, you know, which, which coach you pick as far as being a coach, you know, out of those two as the better coach
1: boy, that's a tough call. That, that's really the debate for, for Coach of the Year, isn't it? you know do you go with a coach who has done the most with the least, which would be Brian Dable? I mean, absolutely there, there's yeah, not a, I don't think there's a guy in the league that's done more with less than him. This is a team that probably had four or five win talent by most estimations going in. Or do you take the guy and, and it's just as hard who you know turned a, a, an all-star roster into the dominant team it was expected to be? Um, You know, I think when you've got a choice like that, the fact that the Eagles were so dominant, you know, to me, it's it's nothing. It's the same thing as an MVP race or any other race. You go with the guy who's won the most. So I would go with Nick Sirianni, which is no disrespect to to Brian Dayball. But, uh, you know, it's a tough call. I mean, you know, who did a better coaching job is just depends on what you think is harder. Um, Coaching a dominant team to dominance or, you know, getting blood out of a stone. All right, (laughs) Rob,
5: I got got another uh, improvement question for you. And I've had to eat some craw on this because from the day he was drafted, I said, Daniel Jones doesn't deserve to be the fifth draft pick of the draft. And I just thought the Giants overdrafted him and Mm -hmm. that he would flash and look like a franchise quarterback and then have terrible games on top of it. He really has improved. You're talking about improvement. I don't know about the Giants overall during the course of the year, but Daniel Jones has certainly improved do we chalk it up more to experience that it took some time for him to be come as good as he is now, or do we lay it at the doorstep of the first time he's got a coaching staff that's actually pushing the right buttons and getting the right things out of their quarterback?
1: Well, I think it's probably a little of both. I think the dramatic improvement this year, you got to give credit to the coaching staff. Um, you know, Daniel Jones is a guy who I, I honestly always thought had the skills. I thought the beginning of his rookie year, he came in and looked like a polished quarterback many, many times. He had interception troubles. A lot of rookie quarterbacks do. He had fumble issues, which you hoped were going to be corrected, but his biggest issue for the first few years was I thought bad coaching. And I thought um, just a lack of talent around him. My question coming into this year was, you know, can he elevate that talent around him and can he stay healthy, which was also a, a big issue with him early in his career, He's obviously stayed healthy. He's obviously elevated the talent, but a lot of that is because Brian Dayball came in and he didn't say, here's my scheme, Daniel, figure it out and run it. He went in and said, what does Daniel Jones do well? You know, what do we do well? We don't have the receivers to throw downfield, so they don't throw downfield. They throw a lot of short passes, and um, they have a, a running back and a quarterback who can run. So what do they do? They run a lot of RPOs and play actions. And, you know, finally, for the first time in his career, they are playing to his strengths and he has shown okay if you do that i can carry you if i need to i have the talent to do it. i think there's other things he can probably do with a better cast around him but this is the hand he's been dealt and the coaches have put him in the right spot to make
10: the most of it you think they franchise tag him or you know do you think he's just going to be a guy that's going uh going into the season with the with the mega deal Has he become dable's guy
1: I I think he is Dable's guy. I think the Giants believe that he's their long-term guy, and they will try to sign him uh, to a long-term contract. It's a little bit complicated because they're not – I mean, they do have a lot of capital. I think they're projected up like $70 million. But that goes pretty fast these days, and they have a lot of holes to fill, a couple of spots on the offensive line, some defensive holes. They need a whole new receiving core, really. Um, So there's a lot of things they need to fill, and they also have to sign – Saquon Barkley and plan for signing Dexter Lawrence in an extra in another year and Daniel Jones. um Can they manage the cap and get Barkley and Jones in under it and do other things? I don't know. um It's probably better for them if they can. But you know, people people laugh at me when I say, "Well, Daniel Jones is going to get forty million dollars a year." They say, "Well, he's not worth that." And like, it doesn't matter. That's what the next quarterback gets. That's a going right. Yeah, they <laughs> keep going up and up and up. And there's. You know, there's 32 franchises and probably 20 guys capable of playing quarterback in an elite level. When you have one, you don't let it go. And he's, he's not going to give a discount now. You know, it's that I think the franchise tag is in the low 30 million dollars. He's not taking less than that because he can just bank that for a year and you know, watch the prices go up. So um, I think they'll try to sign him whether they can or not. You know, my suspicion is either Barkley or Jones will get the franchise tag and the other will get a deal and they'll just keep working on it through the rest of the season. All
5: right, I'm going to give you two stat lines that happened just over a month in between. And there's one very telltale number that lines up absolutely perfectly. Okay. Um, nine carries for 53 yards, two touchdowns, nine carries for 28 yards, and no touchdowns. That was Saquon Barkley last week against Minnesota and Saquon Barkley against the Eagles. Back in week number 14, if you want to add to it, Saquon five catches for 56 yards against the Vikings and two catches for only 20 yards against the Eagles. Even though he toted it from the line of scrimmage, the exact same in both games. One game he was considered a star. One game left you shaking your head if you're a Giant fan. Which Saquon Barkley shows up this week against Eagles?
1: Probably a little bit more towards the star. Um, I don't know if it'll be a guy who's going to rush for 120 yards. Although, you know, I guess if you're going to find one vulnerability in that Eagles team, I've thought all year long, it's their run defense. Um, you know, sometimes they just have tackling lapses. And if Barkley gets through and they start missing him, yeah, he can have a big game. Um, but he's not that nine carry 28 yard guy. I think for a couple of things in that game. One is he developed a neck injury early in that week. um, And he was a little limited. We don't know a lot about what it was, but he was on the injury report, didn't practice fully. And from, you know, what I've been told, what we've all been told, he wasn't completely healthy. Uh, He was also pulled early in that game. Um, Once it started to get out of hand, actually when he stopped playing, it wasn't even all that out of hand, uh, but it was getting there. Um, And they put Matt Breida in and they decided that, you know what, um, you know, we've seen enough from him. We're not going to put him at risk. So his, you know, he's one of those guys that he kind of has to stick around long enough and he'll get those couple of big runs to sort of pad his totals, you know, and he'll have nine for 28 and then suddenly it'll be 12 for 70 something. And he didn't get that chance because he just wasn't in long enough. So he's running well right now. Uh, They're minimizing his run. They've been leaning on Daniel Jones a little bit more, but I think that uh, you'll get a little bit more of the better Barkley in this game, for whatever that's worth.
10: Mm. Well, you know, looking at it, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I, Wink Martindale's a guy that blitzes. You know, he blitzes over 40% of the time. But he didn't blitz this last game against um, Hurts. He didn't blitz him a lot. Do you think he becomes status quo and blitzes 40% of the time like he did, uh, like he has been doing, or does he does he rush or, or play the game differently knowing that um, Jalen Hurts, when you blitz, that means you're going one-on-one on the outside, and that means your DB's back's a turn. We know how dangerous he is with his legs. What do you think he's gonna do? Is it gonna be the ladder or the or or is he gonna go ahead and blitz him like stat? You know,
1: I think the smart move, and I, I suspect this is what Wink will do, will be to do what he did against the Vikings, where he made a decision, you know, Justin Jefferson is not going to beat us. So they sat back in a zone scheme and they had him bracketed all the time and they called off the blitz because they knew you know they needed more help in the back end. There were a lot of times with you know six defensive backs and they all dropped back into coverage, which is not what wink martindale normally does so um that was his strategy then we'll give up the blitz we'll try to get pressure with the front four it was certainly easier against the vikings front uh than it will be against the eagles so maybe there'll be some more blitzes but i think when you're dealing with uh aj brown and devonta smith and dallas godard on top of it you really can't just send the dogs at jalen hurts especially knowing that he can just run right around it so um, it, to me, blitzing is going to put them in a tough spot. Um, it is what they do and they will do it at times, but I think he's going to really help. Let's try to get the pressure from the front and contain it from the back end. Let's not give up the big play so we can stay in this game.
5: Ralph, uh, listening to giant fans talk about the beat down that the Eagles put on the giants back in week number 14. Yeah. Most of them go, yeah, but we didn't have either Xavier McKinney or Dory Jackson. Our two best DBs and, yeah, your MVP-like quarterback kind of lit us up. But we got our guys back now. We got our two best DBs back.
1: How big a difference did they make? It makes somewhat of a difference. Um, You know, I think when I look back at that game, you know, I remember the 253 rushing yards, but it was really Jalen Hurts and the receivers in the first half when they built the big lead. That's, you know, they didn't start running to the second half. And, it was because that secondary was atrocious and they just didn't have the numbers to really keep up with the receivers that the Eagles had. So I think it'll help to have, you know, Xavier McKinney is a good deep safety. Um, Dory Jackson at his best is a top 15 cornerback in the league, maybe a top 10 cornerback in the league. He's coming back from injury. So it's not the same. And he's got a lot of credit for shutting down Justin Jefferson, but that was more really of a, he had a lot of help in that game. So Um, it'll definitely be, it'll make it a little easier because, um, again, the Eagles have so many weapons they can throw out there. The more good players you can have to cover them, the better. Uh, but you know, again, they're not that deep in the secondary to begin with. There's, there's still a lot of holes and a lot of guys to cover. So, um, you know, it'll help, but I don't know how
10: much it'll help. Well, then you got to look at, you know, I'm gonna flip it back to the other side of the ball and, you know, and, and, and looking at, how I saw that offense in the beginning of the year run a wildcat system with Saquon Barkley. You know you have a good enough um, uh, athlete and Daniel Jones. Do you think they take a little piece of how the Saints beat up on the Eagles off uh, defense, where they just ground and pound and 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 really use uh, the athletic talent of Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara? Um, against the Eagles, can you see that kind of um, offense coming, I mean, Daniel Jones is a pretty good athlete, he's shown that he's a better athlete than people gave him credit for, he's been clocked at 21 miles an hour uh, against the Eagles uh last year do you see them kind of implement that same thing and try to take control, because teams have no the, the way you beat the Eagles is keeping Jalen Hurts off the field, and it helped out the Saints and allowed them to win the game
1: Yeah, I think they could. They'll certainly look at that Saints film and really it plays to what the Giants do best. They're a running team. You know, The passing game was great in their two games against the Vikings. But again, that's the 31st ranked passing defense in the NFL. And I don't think they were that worried about keeping Kirk Cousins off the field. I don't think they felt like they could stop him. So, um, you know, they're going to they're going to run their IP RPOs. They're going to get Barkley involved they're gonna their best play remains Daniel Jones running the football so there's gonna you're gonna see a lot of that I think um, a lot of it may depend on how the Giants offensive line which has been better but not great can handle that Eagles front and that Eagles pressure uh, it's another reason why you don't necessarily want Daniel Jones 70 sacks. right 70 sacks against an offensive line that gives up a lot of them and, and gives up a lot of pressure so especially I think that they'll see on the film the weakness on the right side where uh, Evan Neal, the rookie, has been struggling like crazy. So, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you would want to run the ball or at the very least establish it so then you can pass later. But um, at heart, they're a running team. And if they think that's what's going to work, and like I said earlier, I think that's the one weakness, if you want to call it that, in the Eagles, is that you you can beat their run defense. And if you can do that, at the very least, you can stay in the game. Ralph V, if I tell you,
5: the more physical team is going to win the game. Who's got the more
10: physical team, Eagles or Giants? Good question.
1: Yeah, um, I think the Eagles overall probably are a more physical team. I think the Giants um, can keep up with them in spots. They have a pretty physical defense. Um, The second-level defense is very physical. Maybe I would argue at times more so than the, the Eagles, although it might just look that way because they blitz so often and they hit so much. Um, you know, their front is probably not as good as the Eagles, but they, they hit and Dexter Lawrence is as physical as anybody on that field. It's the offensive line where I think the Eagles would have the real physical edge that that line is just so good. Um, the Giants offensive line is not, I mean, it's, it's better, it's improved, but it's mediocre at best, I think. And there are weak spots on it. So, um, overall, the more physical team to me is the Eagles. And I think the the way they've run the ball year long kind of proves that.
10: What's your key matchup in the game? What are you going to be looking at the most?
1: Huh, that's a good question. I would think, to me, um, it would be the Giants secondary against those receivers, and I probably put Dallas Goedert right in there. I assume that they're going to have um, you know, Landon Collins will probably be the guy covering him. He's more of a linebacker nowadays. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in general, I, I feel like the Giants can run on them. They know the Eagles are going to run. But I look again at that, that first game. Everybody thought the Eagles were just going to run right down the field, and they came out throwing. And Jalen Hurts had like 170 yards in the first half. They ran out to a 21-0 lead. If they can establish that they can throw it and really put the Giants on their heels, then they're going to start running like crazy, and that's where the Eagles become a dangerous two-way threat. Now, if the Giants can somehow contain A.J. Brown, contain Devonta Smith, okay, then you know maybe you've got a game there. I don't know how that happens, but – uh, you know, if if early on those two are going and the passing game is going, it could be a really long day for the Giants.
5: Uh, Ralph, I hope that you're getting time and a half for this weekend because <laughs> your counterpart for the NFC South or the NFC North don't get to work at all, whereas you have to pay attention for both games because right. <laughs> you got two teams on Saturday and then one on Sunday. Cowboys took apart the Bucks. I got to give the Cowboys credit; that was an impressive win. On Monday night, I actually thought Brady would yeah. pull some Brady magic. He did not. It was a mismatch. But now they have to go to San Francisco and face the hottest team in the National Football League. Any chance you got two teams from the NFC East playing against each other again next week that the uh, Cowboys can go out to San Francisco and get a win?
1: Mm. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked. Um, you know, look, the 49ers aren't the Bucs. The Bucs was the easy one, although that's a pretty good defense that they beat. Uh, the advantage for the Cowboys, to me, in any game and, and why they could have a chance out in San Francisco is when their offense is clicking, it is the best passing offense in the league. They're right up there with, to me, the Chiefs and the uh, Buffalo Bills and teams like that. And they're, they're not consistently as good. And Dak Prescott has thrown a lot of interceptions lately. But when it's clicking, it's that good. And they run the ball well, too. Um so yeah they could give that San Francisco defense some trouble and really put some pressure on Brock Purdy to score points although he's answered the bell every single time this year uh, you know they've got a pretty good diverse offense too so um, I, I think the 49ers will win I think they probably are the better overall team right now but you know if that Cowboys offense that showed up against Dallas shows up in San Francisco I think you're gonna have a heck of a game
10: can't wait, man. This is what football is yeah. all about, man. Smash mouth NFC's football. And I can remember playing against Strahan and all those guys, you know. But yeah. you know, looking at Lane, you know, injuries has definitely been a problem with uh, you know, the Eagles and you know, Lane's hobble right now. But I think a 70% lane is better than what they had there before. Um, what's your sense of Thibodeau and 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 um and uh, uh, was it Roach a, Ro- a, Ro- a, Ro- a or whatever his name is? Um the uh defensive end. Oh my goodness. Um Ojalari. Ogil- yeah, against our two tackles because they're going to be one on one with those guys the entire day.
1: It's a bigger challenge than they faced in Minnesota, a bigger challenge than they faced, uh, you know, anytime really down the stretch. Um, yeah, obviously they didn't play in that last game against Philadelphia, but um, they're better players. I think Thibodeau is going to be a really good player. He He's aggressive. Um, You know, he's starting to develop some moves and he's got some confidence there, but yeah, that Eagles offensive line has impressed me all year long. And I've seen better defensive ends and better edge rushers not get to Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, I, I think when you've got two young, aggressive edge rushers like that, if I'm uh, the Eagles, I'm looking at it thinking, okay, I might let them think they're going to get to me, and then just dart the quarterback around the outside, or throw a quick screen pass, or something. I think you can really set up a young pass rusher, um, you know, in a playoff, you know, second playoff game. But um, they're good players, and they'll they'll make their mark a little in this league. Uh, you know, I don't know that they're the ones to watch on the Giants front. I think the one the Eagles are going to be worried about mostly is Dexter Lawrence. He is a monster in the middle. Um, you know, pro Bowler, All I'm Pro. Absolutely. You know, he's going to, he, he has the, I mean, Jason Kelsey's terrific, but Dexter Lawrence has the ability to get in and get some pressure and then it's up to the young guys on the outside. You know, they got to worry about containing hurts when he leaves the pocket. Um, you know, can they be in the right position? It's, it's such a tall task against a quarterback in an offense like this. Um, you know, they're good, but let's see if they're up to it.
5: All right. You just said his name for the first time. We've had John for over 20 minutes. The first time any one of the three of us mentioned Jalen hurts who to <laughs> me is the entire key of the game. Mm-hmm. You've been at the Giants availability, though you're down here in Philly too. Um, there's what they say, and then sometimes it's how they say it. Right. What do the Giants think? What percentage do they think Hurts is going to be? Are they pl- planning to play their game? Are they ready to play their game defensively, as if Jalen Hurts is damn close to 100% And can perform at the MVP level that he did for the first 14 weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, I think they're expecting that. I don't know that they believe he's 100%. And I think that there's a few of them that probably want to test that theory on his right shoulder if they get the chance. But I think they believe that the Eagles will come out acting like he's 100%. Um, You know, he looked like he could play in that season finale. It looked like they just didn't want to let him run the ball. And I'm sure that's what the case was. Let's protect him. Let's tell him to run out of bounds. Let's not call a run play. I don't think they're going to go into this game doing that. I mean, maybe they pull back the reins a little in the second half if they're up or something, or they get a little cautious in some spots. But I think they know that you know, Jalen Hurts, he's the offense. I mean, his he's, his threat to run or throw outside of the pocket and move all over the place is what really makes them so dangerous and so effective. And the Giants absolutely think you know, he's physically capable of doing that. How long he lasts – uh, whether he can take a hit on that shoulder, all that is up in the air. But I think coming out, they're expecting to see the two-way Jalen Hurts that uh, you know they saw in the first 14 games of the season.
5: Ralph, great stuff. We appreciate you jumping in with us. 40 during the afternoon, down into the 30s You're going to have to have a heavy coat to get out of there.
1: Uh, <laughs> Fine with me. <laughs> Football And for weather.
5: mid-January, you can't complain. If there's going to be no snow and the first number of the temperature isn't a one, that's not yeah. all that bad. Uh, so have a good time covering the game on Saturday. Thanks for lending insight with us today here on Birch 360.
1: Ralph, thanks, bro. Thanks, guys. Anytime.
5: That is Ralph Vecchiano, uh, who after writing for New York Papers for years – Jumped over to the Fox world and became their NFC East insider. So he's been covering Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, and Commanders. He put all his Commanders papers away. He's already filed all of those, <laughs> but he's still referencing Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, three NFC East teams still playing. There's only one other team left in the playoffs, that's San Francisco. So three of the four are NFC East teams. So Ralph's staying on top of his game. He gave us some good insights here. We appreciate it for him. All right. He is uh, Barrett Brooks in for John McMahon. I'm Jordan McDonald. Come back. We still got 10 minutes to play here on Birds 365.
7: My name is uh, Franz Heleno. I'm a managing director here at Valle Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since
8: 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise... We prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
4: So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
8: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about
4: you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean.
2: We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today.
5: We're back with a blow on the show here on birds 365 barrett brooks in for john mcmullen uh barrett each and every single year with a team how many years did you play in the league again 12 12 so every year is different you have some carryovers a lot of the same same teammates staying with the same team you moved to a couple of different teams after you left here in Philadelphia but um, no, no two years are exactly alike. Every year is different because guys going to change. That's just the nature of the beast. This is a special year for the Philadelphia Eagles. Fourteen and three is fourteen and three. Jalen Hurts probably going to be the runner up for MVP. As many Pro Bowlers and All Pro guys as they have, and Nick Sirianni very much in the conversation for Coach of the Year. But if they lose this week. How do we look at this year? Uh, I'm trying not to be Debbie Downer here, but I'm also uh, putting a potential reality into play. They had this great season. So many awards, <coughs> so many highs and so few lows. But you talk about cratering out, if they get beat by a team that they beat twice during the season on their field that they worked so hard to make sure the game was going to be played at, how do we look at this season if they don't win on Saturday,
10: Joe? I'm gonna tell you the truth, man. It'll be a colossal failure, colossal failure. Because this team, after they had the best trade probably this year um, ever, um, you know the, the best trade this year I think was was the, them acquiring AJ Brown. It's been the best trade Howie's, um, you know, since Howie's been the GM. It really pushed them forwards towards being a Super Bowl-winning team because every acquisition after that was win-now mode from that point on. Kazir White coming in. Um, them going to get Bradbury, CJ Garner Johnson. All these guys come in to make a run right now. An impact right now. And because they signed AJ Brown, I think it really put them in position like: look, we we found. We found uh, a way in which we can really accelerate us winning a Super Bowl. We put a, a lot of eggs in this basket this year, so for them not to win a Super Bowl or either get to the Super Bowl would be a colossal failure for both the GM, the coaches, you know, and, and you know this team. Period. Um, they have the best. To me, they have the best team in the NFL. They might not be playing the best football right now, but collectively, they have the best collection of athletes in the NFL, player for player. You know what I'm saying? So because you have that, you, you've got to you gotta at least be in the dance. You at least gotta be in the Super Bowl. So, you know, this is this is this is a must win. The next few games are a must win because they gotta get to the bowl. They gotta get at least an opportunity to play for the trophy in yeah. Arizona.
5: All right, double B. Uh, you mentioned a player and uh, he le- leads me into my final question of the day. And that would be AJ Brown. He was brought here to raise the offense. He has raised the offense. Absolutely. He has has accomplished exactly what they wanted to accomplish when they acquired him. This week, though, he's the only guy in this team who can talk to being a number one seed and going home before you blink. Last week, Tennessee was the number one seed in the AFC. People forget that. Oh, that would be yeah. the Chiefs or the Bills. Nope. It was Tennessee. The Titans were the number one seed in the AFC last year, and they got picked off by the Bengals. Now, A.J. had a pretty good game. He over 120 yards, but they lost 1916 to Cincinnati, late pick by their quarterback. Does anybody ask him about last year? Does he volunteer any information on how painful that could be and we got to avoid this? Because I'll tell you, my year sucked thereafter
10: when we got picked off by Cincinnati. Does A.J. even talk about it this week? No, I think he's talking to the older guys, talking to guys like B.G., Fletcher Cox, about what it feels like to win a Super Bowl. He's more trying to reach and, you know, pick and prod them for for every ounce of information he can use to help him, just gain that perspective of what it is to win a Super Bowl, to have a ring. There's only a couple of guys on the team that you know have rings, and and, and Sue, uh Fletcher Cox, uh, you know guys like that. I think Sweat was on the team then also. You know, there's some guys on this team that were in that Super Bowl run. So yeah, you know, Kelsey, yeah, go and talk to those guys, see what it took to get to that next level of being a champion. You know. Um, What it took for you to, you know, be a part of the greatest day in Philadelphia football history, winning a Super Bowl for the first time. Um, I think he's more so, you know, you know, trying to get that type of sense of all right, I mean, these guys have been there before. Let me see what it takes. And we're going to go on from there, because a lot of these guys already know what it is to get out, get picked out in the first round. I mean, that's what's what happened to the Eagles last year. But they were on borrowed time anyways. They were on, you know, it was almost fool's gold, anyways. You know, to think they were gonna beat Brady and them, they was a they were a great team last year, was you know, slim to none. But you know, when you say there's a chance, there's a chance. So he already knows what it is to be in that position. A lot of people know what it is to be in that position. But there's the guys on this team that know what it is to be a champion, you know, the best offensive tackle in the league. I remember when I won the Super Bowl, I was the third best offensive tackle. In the league because we won a Super Bowl and I was on that winning Super Bowl team. So I was the third best. You know what I'm saying? It was documented. You know what I'm saying? I was Super Bowl XL champ. You know what I mean? So we were the champions. We were the best team. We had the best quarter. We had the best everything because we were the best team. So I mean that that's that's what he's trying to figure out. A fair way to look at it and a smart way to look at it. All right, and
5: before we wrap up this show, I Just want to talk to one individual Philadelphia Eagle. I don't know if he's watching the show right now or if he's watching it after the fact or if someone tells him to watch it after it. Jake Elliott, we have complete and utter faith in you that you will make all needed extra points this week because we did see on Monday night extra points are not a given. (laughs) (laughs) Holy mackerel. Uh, and, And hopefully this week Jake, you get to kick more extra points than field goals you did last night. Did a hell of a job kicking those field goals against the the Giants (laughs) and made sure that they got the number one seed. But hopefully your field goal kicking expertise is less needed this week against the Giants and more of those made extra points. Do not converse with Brett Maher this week. I don't know if you're friends with him or not, but just keep your distance. Let him go to the West Coast and kick against the 49ers. You just stay on point here in Philadelphia. Right, right. (laughs) That will be always a pleasure. Thank you very much for jumping in for Johnny Mack today. Thanks, bud. That is Barrett Brooks with me here on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac will be back manana. We got the full two hours on a football Friday, leading up to Giants-Eagles here on Birds 365.
3: You've been listening to Birds 365.